is an illicit radio program. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome. Got a selection of good things on sale, stranger. Hello everyone and welcome to 22 of the Bazaar, the fortnightly horror chat show covering the very best from the pages to the screen and everything in between. I know you haven't heard that intro for a while so here it is. Today I have with me Phantom Dark Dave, he's a friend of the show, fellow podcaster, he's been on Bad Movie Bros and co-host now of the Black Cat Shadow podcast and he's also produced a short film recently, Scars, so we talk a little bit about everything today all those little bits and pieces and we just had a great old time we both had to cut it short because i had to go to work and he had to go to bed that's how far apart we are he's down in good old texas now i said last week we wouldn't have a leaderboard but this is the last one before i go on holidays next week so we'll roll on into that very quickly we have the united states on top once again we have ireland back in number two spot the uk sweden hungary pakistan egypt and Germany so that's a nice eclectic group there of everyone thanks again for supporting the show thanks for listening and we're creeping up nearly on our 2000 downloads so recommend to a friend and we'll get there in no time but without further ado sit back relax and enjoy my chat with Dave Hello Dave, welcome to the show on this lovely afternoon for yourself. It's crack of dawn for me. We love the craft, but how are you? Doing well, thanks for having me on here, man. Now, Dave, would you like to tell the audience what you're all about, firstly? I love this question for my guests. <laughs> man, I'm all about movies. So, uh, I write movies, I act in movies, and I watch a crap ton of movies, and I talk about movies. So today is going to be all about movies, I guess. <laughs> no, I thought we were talking about cartoons. Yeah, yeah. I, okay. I don't oh, yeah, to... we could do movies. <laughs> so how did you get into all the movies? What is your first kind of movie memories? So it's really funny because um, I don't have the fondest memories of watching like Disney movies or anything like that. It's, in fact, some of the biggest kid movies I've seen, I've seen as an adult, and I love them. So... How I got into horror is the interesting story. Only one person knows this story, and I'll go ahead and tell it out to the world. So now there's going to be five people who know the story. <laughs> oh man, that's what I'm talking about. So <laughs> I was left alone at my grandmother's house. That's the kind of awesome family babysitting we had. And uh, you know, if there's something you don't want your kids to see, you put it up. Well, I got tired of the movies I had, so I started snooping and looking for, it, and I found this blank tape. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> put the blank tape in and there's a guy in a trench coat, you know, and he starts firing this gun, shooting this guy in this white mask. And Lord behold, I, I'm seeing the end of Halloween. Oh, nice. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of cool. Uh, I don't really know what that is, but it's over. What else is in here? And, um, yeah, eight years old. Uh, I sat down and watched, I spit on your grave. <laughs> <laughs> Not knowing anything about what I got into, but that was my birds and the bees talk right there. <laughs> well, but hopefully that uh, didn't have any lasting impressions on you there. You didn't no, turn no, into no. A deviant. 
no, it just made me go, what the hell, right? And so this aspiring of wanting to know more, but I, I didn't spend time wondering about the I Spit on Your Grave thing. It was more like, what was that movie I saw just the end of? And so I spent a few years never knowing and then I started to really get into horror movies and I had bought Halloween and watched it for the first time and my brain exploded when the dots were finally connected and I saw that guy in the trench coat like this oh is God, the thing yeah. I've been looking for forever. Because, you know, <laughs> we didn't have IMDb or Google or anything. You weren't just going to look up, hey, guy in a trench coat shoots guy. What, who is this, you know? Yeah, yeah. I hate that kind of stuff because uh, I'd be the same. It was only recently or when last year actually when I was talking with our mutual friend Brian – and we are discussing the gate too. Now mm. I had seen that when I was maybe seven or eight with my friends, and we had a crystal clear scene in our heads that um, it was as if someone had thrown like an action man or a you know GI Joe across the room, and it was spinning like a, a model for an explosion. So I watched the movie anyway, and it ended up that that scene was in it that i remembered but not as i remembered it was literally for a two second clip wasn't really what i thought so i can only imagine what it was like seeing donald pleasance when you eventually ended up watching halloween yeah and not you know not having any knowledge of who he was and, and seeing him so my my introduction to donald pleasance will always be dr loomis and yeah. seeing him you know through that entire series is phenomenal so do you think it was the horror was kind of how you first got into movies? Is that what tickled you when you were kind of eight years old at your grandmother's? Is that how you... Oh, that's you... totally it because, you know, I think another really big horror movie for me as a kid, which I think most kids who get it was like Jaws. Like there was always something fascinating about shark movies, you know, and seeing Jaws. And... um yeah, it always became just the trips to the video stores and written – and it was so cool because everything was new and so written everything. And I was alone in my family. No one else really liked horror that much. Uh, my aunt kind of did, but that didn't come until later in time where we got to actually see the movies in theater. But yeah, just, just discovering them with friends and everything. And then finally I remember we saw um, Scream in theater, and that was my first horror movie in theater. And it was over, man. Like when I saw that, I was like, this is my entire life. Like <laughs> I'm like 12 and this is, I don't want to see anything else. Like I just want everything to be this good, just like this. So excellent. So when did you start putting pen to paper then? It's kind of crazy because as a kid, you know, I used to doodle and write stories and stuff. And then I just got away from it. I just didn't try. I didn't care too busy, you know, growing up. And then I remember back when I was like 20 and I just something was like, you know, like I really want to write a short story. And that short story turned into a 23,000 word story. And I'm like, well, eh, there we go. I got something going here. <laughs> and um, that has not seen the light of day. That I, Did you ever watch Goosebumps growing up? I did indeed, yeah. So you know how the end of the intro shows the guy walk out and he does that little gesture with the briefcase and all the papers come flying out? Yeah, that was you. That's kind of what I yeah. had. That was me. Yeah, I have briefcase full of spiral notebooks because I don't even like to type. Like I'm good at typing, but I find typing annoying. I prefer to handwrite in notebooks. Mm. Um, I'm just kind of like scratching, you know? Yeah. And uh, so I just wrote a ton of stories. As you can and... see here in the camera, my notebook with everything. I love notebooks. There you go. <laughs> There you go. You understand. We have a lot in common, Dave, I think. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, absolutely. And um, 
what really what really kicked it for me what the bug that I got bit by was I was like man I don't know how to get my writing out there like the way that I think I heard you talk about on one of your um, previous podcast episodes you asked somebody was it harder or easier now to get your writing out there and uh, I think that's where you're talking to Mark Corbin if I'm not mistaken but I have to agree because the funny thing is it's easier to get your writing out there, but now you're competing against everyone. Mm, yeah. And so I was like, you know, I wasn't a big Facebooker. I wasn't a big anything. And, but Twitter, like I heard uh, one of my favorite podcasts at the time uh, was the Fry Club podcast. And they always talked about they socialize on Twitter. And I'm like, you know, I should try Twitter and promote my stuff. And so I did that for a few months. And then sure enough, I ended up getting in some sort of uh, horror movie discussion with Dee McCulley, who is a filmmaker in Canada. And, uh, you know, we just chit-chatted back and forth a little bit about movies and stuff. And then, I, you know, I, I played the game. I was like, hey, man, so you make movies. That's cool. Like, I write. You want to read something I wrote? <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was really cool. He was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, he was very humble. You know, I was like, yeah, it's cool. It's short, I promise. And if you don't like it, just let me know. And I sent it to him, and he was like, you know – I think I can do something with this. And uh, I was like, really? Um, cool. Let's talk about it. And so we talked about it and we did a lot of Skype sessions and sure enough, he did casting up in uh, Canada and the story was brought to life. The story originally was called uh, solution to sadness. And then what had happened was, you know, D took that screenplay and he adapted it and turned it into what is now known as scars which is a pretty cool seven-minute horror film. So. Yeah, I know you reached out to me just around the new year, and uh, embarrassingly enough, I only got back to you when you gave me Solution to Sadness uh, quite some time later. I won't give the exact uh, dates, but it <laughs> kind of coincides when this episode is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm true to my word, and you're here now, and we're going to probably discuss that a little bit. Where did you get the inspiration for our solution to sadness then. So I've honestly grown up, um, you know, getting into horror and everything. So I fell in love with horror and then I, I noticed I liked more of classic horror than modern day horror. And the cool thing about classic horror is you find the twilight zone and the twilight zone has got to be one of my favorite shows of all time. So when I was writing this, I was writing it in my head as if it was a twilight zone episode and, you know, that's why it's short and sweet. You get the twist. You get everything you want in it. And I was literally sitting here in my kitchen, um, and I was writing it as if it was happening in my kitchen. So when you read the story or you see the film, that's what was going through my mind of how it would be if I was going to make the movie. Because I thought I was going to, you know, whip out the iPhone and put it together myself with some friends. And, um, you know, I, I got it to the right set of hands instead. <laughs> Excellent. I honest to truth, I think I've said this out there before, but I love writing. I do not really love, I don't love directing. I'm not the guy who wants all the creative control. I'd be happy to be in the movie. I'd be happy to write the movie, but I feel like rather than struggle as a director, I could be writing something else. So, yeah. right. So how did you eventually kind of put that together? How did it all come together in the end? What was the logistics of it? Uh, what do you mean? Like how long did it take and, and everything it went through? Or? Yeah, so just you were saying you were discussing sort of getting that off the ground and it eventually turned into scars, but what actually set it in motion when you started filming? Like how did you get it all together? 
Well, you know, I just wrote the story. Dee's the one that takes most of the credit for the actual film. I was involved through tons of Skype sessions and, and meeting the crew and stuff, but I didn't fly to Canada. I'm I'm in the heart of Texas, so we're miles apart. Okay. And so, um, you know, like I said, he held casting auditions, and so I got to approve of certain things, and he worked with me. I got to see the rough cut, and there's actually an Easter egg. Nobody knows this, so I'll go ahead and throw it out there. Um, in the film Scars, whenever – our main character goes up to her apartment door. She has an eviction notice. My name is signed as the landlord's name. <laughs> and and I don't think you could catch it really, but if if somebody pauses it and tries to see, you will see Dave on there. It's okay. kind of funny I'm, he did that. I'm going to have to go back it's a and challenge. have a look for that there now. You're an absentee um, landlord all the way down in Texas, you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm in Texas, and I'm still kicking people out in Canada, you know. Great. So, yeah, it was a fun little movie, I must say. So, do you have any other kind of stories in the works? You were mentioning, I won't mention any names, but you were saying you've been throwing a few scripts around the place. Have you much more stories hidden in the background? Yeah, so um, I announced over the summer that I was working on something called Roulette. And Roulette's another short, sweet, you know, probably seven to ten minute script. And um, the funny thing is, I was like, you know, I'll give this a try. I don't really, you know... D's really busy. I don't want to ask him, hey, let's do another movie, you know, and uh, maybe I'll give it a shot, see what I can do. And so we actually filmed the whole thing. Like I have the movies been filmed. Um, but as I was going through the editing process, I was finding things. I was like, oh, man, you know, I wish I can change this. I wish I can change that. And being still new to the actual filmmaking process, it's like, oh, man, it got to the point where it's like, OK, I'm just going to hold the film. But I'm going to see if someone else wants to do it. And then I'm going to let them have the footage and mm. then either cut it into it. Or just reshoot the whole thing, but I will tell you, it stars uh, myself and my wife. <laughs> oh, very good. It's not yeah, one of those blue movies, cool. no. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> very good. So, would you have any like formal training then when it comes to the filmmaking, or was it something you just picked up with the internet age then? Yeah, internet age. It's it's just the the diehard fan who, not to toot a horn, but I, I like to consider myself somewhat you know, gifted with writing. I mean, I, Hey, I probably can't direct for shit, but writing, I feel like I can write good stories. And so, um, just being very passionate enough to write it up and, and doing how many of our rewrites it takes, doing whatever you got to do to get it right. And then also just being willing to let somebody else have the story and sign off on it, you know? Mm. So, but I will tell you, uh, roulette's one, there's another one called amateurs that I've already fully written and scripted and not sure if I want to film that one or not. You know, it might be a, a roulette part two problem. I'm not sure. But uh, man, if I, if I start making some connections out there, I'm going to start handing out some scripts. That's for sure. Great. So you have the bug now. You've got the first one down and there's two in the pipeline and it's going to grow exponentially. You'll have four scripts, eight scripts, 16. It's going to keep going. Is it? You know, I'm going to tell you something too. It's really, really cool that I discovered. And you know, it's, it was one of those blessings, too, because my wife, you know, she doesn't watch horror very much. She, you know, she'll watch it if I absolutely just beg her to. But, um, you know, she watched like The Windmill with me, which was a great movie. Um, but, you know, I can't get her to watch, you know, I Spit on Your Grave or anything crazy, right? Well, the funny thing is, as much as she doesn't really care for certain things like that, she really makes good fake blood, like really good blood. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, 
won't you watch some YouTube videos? Won't you see if you can make some gory effects? Because I'm big into practical effects. If we can do it practical, I'd rather do that. And so, um, sure enough, man, she's awesome. So I already have my special effects artist ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Great. You're all sorted. Excellent. So how has reception been so far for Scars and the like and roulette script and stuff? I, I know you said that you've filmed that, but have you shown that to anyone? Like how's reception for your work? Only one person who wasn't involved in the film saw it. And it was um, my editor at the time. And he loved it and was going to work on it. But, you know, sometimes relationships fall apart. Sometimes business things and, and honest to truth people have a lot of projects to do and depending on when you want things done you got to go different ways so i can tell you from what we saw you know we were we were proud of it but you know when it's when it's your vision and you know you you want it to be as perfect as you can or just do something else and then i think i reached that point of man, you know, if I'm in this movie, so if I want to change something, I got to get a haircut again. I got to get the same wardrobe. You know, you have to make it look exact, you know, mm, yeah. and that's a pain in the ass, right? So <laughs> it's easy to say with a short film, oh, well, let's just shoot it again or let's let someone else shoot it and then we'll we'll do what we got to do with it. Yeah, and did you find it tough then to sort of watch yourself back and not, like, put yourself in the shoes of the character, like to see yourself as just someone else? Or is it, you know a bit daunting not daunting but can't even think of the word it's very early this morning guys when we're recording <laughs> but did uh, yes you, it is <laughs> did, you, did you find it strange watching yourself back then no it's really weird it's not at all i i mean i never went to acting school or anything but in front of a camera i'm really comfortable and so yeah i just just seeing myself acting in the movie i mean i there's you know Sometimes stories are close to home, and then all you gotta do is just push, oh, push the storylines over the edge, <laughs> yeah. and it's not hard to to make it look real and convincing. And so uh, sometimes, you know, like this one you know, has my wife and myself in it, and so it's like, okay, in this movie, you know, if we're gonna have a scene where we're cool, and then a scene where we're pissed off each other, let's just think about something that really pisses each other off, and let's roll with it. And you see that on film, you know, the everybody always tells us we have um, really good chemistry because we used to do the uh, real antiques show on Dungeon Radio. And, um, yeah, we, we have good chemistry when we also need to be pissed off at each other, too. It works really well. Great. So when can we expect a, a final cut? When are you going to actually push that out the door, then? I would like to tell you a date. I don't have one in mind. I mean, I would be very happy to be like, hey, if it comes out before the end of the year, then I feel accomplished. But like I said, i talking to a few different people. I have to get the icing on the cake first. But I can tell you, as soon as someone says, okay, let's do it, I'm ready. Right. And would you consider like a reshoot if someone said, I like the core idea, give me the script, and I'm redoing it? Or would you prefer to have your work edited down? No. Like I said, I don't prefer to, to have to direct. So if somebody's like, I love the story, I really won't manipulate it much, but I do want to reshoot. Are you cool with that? And I'd totally be cool with that. I mean, I, I'm i in this to write and to connect with people and network. You know? Yeah. It's, if someone came up and said, Dave, you're a better writer than you are an actor, we need to reshoot. Re <laughs> I'd be like, you said I was a good writer though, right? Okay, that's cool. <laughs> yes, of course like, you uh, can have it. Royalty free and all. 
That's it. Kind of like uh, Ben Stiller in um, was it Tropic Thunder? Somebody yeah. close to you said you're breaking down. Somebody said they were close to me. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. And would you ever consider then hitting the festival circuits, or have you done that already with Scars? Scars, it was it was a, sh- a little excuse me, a small release, and I think it, it basically it was nominated for an iHorror Award for the short film category, but I think that was about as much exposure it had got. So you know we were quick to just throw it on YouTube and um, see what happens with that. But it, it's more like just hey, this is the first thing you ever did. Let's just see what it does, and then you learn a lot from it. So um, if we get roulette going or amateurs going then I'd be more than happy to see those go into a circuit. That'd be awesome. Excellent. And then we must mention you're also a podcaster. I am. That's why I'm so comfortable talking to you right now at midnight. (laughs) Exactly. No, I was fairly surprised when you were like, I will get up at two or three in the morning and we will chat about movies. I was like, yeah, this guy is passionate, (laughs) passionate about the movies. So when did you start podcasting? I'm sure it was before I uh, hit that uh, road. Man, believe it or not, I've only been podcasting this year. This year? No Scars, way. man. Uh, Scars got me a lot of interviews on podcasts. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, I got to meet a lot of great people like yourself, of course. Uh, all you guys are awesome. And uh, believe it or not, the B-Movie brothers had reached out to me and offered me, you know, like a guest spot to come on and, you know, shoot the shit with them every now and then. So I was like, yeah, that would be awesome. And so I did that for a few. Then Dungeon Radio kind of overheard some stuff I was doing, and then they offered me to come on Dungeon Radio. And so I talked to my wife and was like, "Hey, I, you know, I wrote this show called Real Antiques. I actually, I told her I wrote this show. She named it Real Antiques, and I explained that very well in the show. Behind every good man is a great woman. It's another <laughs> example. But uh, we did Real Antiques, and then um, man, just when it was hitting its glory, we had done three episodes. And I wrote the fourth one, and Dungeon Radio shut down and then so we pulled off there and um it actually turned around and became scream radio which tracy does now oh yeah and tracy invited me and my wife you know to come back because we're all friends we've talked um you know tracy with two e's i know you've mentioned it before i know and isaac thorne i mean we're all friends we all chit chat and um the kicker really was my the the real antique show was a hit because we had music licensing. We were able to put trailers in there and sound effects and scream radio doesn't have the music licensing. And I feel it'd be kind of silly for me to chit chat and then like pause for no music and come back. I'm like, this doesn't work. (laughs) I got to do something else. (laughs) It's like, I need a break. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Oh, I got to figure something else out, but it's cool. I did B movie brothers, um, with them probably a good four months. We had a lot of fun doing something called director showcase. Um, but then after that settled down, you know, I kind of just wanted to take a break from everything and I didn't do anything for about two months, just kind of, you know, caught up watching movies I wanted to watch and, and not review. But like anything else, I think you said earlier, I was bitten by the bug. I I wanted to get back on the mic <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the Black Cat Shadow has always been good friends of mine. That's Dakota and Andy. And, um, you know, they're in the same time zone as me. We had a lot of same interests and it just kind of, hey, you want to come guest on our show? I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Guest episode. Let's do it. And then after I did that, like, you want to do it again? I'm like, oh, sure. And then at that point, I was cemented in, man. We started rocking and rolling. I said, you know, and what I really want to do is um, interviews. Mm. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. We've done some interviews. I'm like, yeah, but I want to do some, like, crazy interviews. And they're like, 
okay. And so I just started kicking around some ideas. And man, I'll tell you, this is what end of August almost is 21st coming around the corner, 28th. And uh, we're booked through September with guests. So super excellent. Yeah, do you not find it tough trying to get guests? Because I know it's not primarily uh, an interview show like this. So was it kind of easier or harder to get people lined up? I don't want to, again, like sound like this cocky guy because I'm not. I mean, I'm egotistical and my wife puts me in check, but I haven't had any trouble getting guests because when you're a filmmaker, uh, it's really easy to find talent agents and they have people. <laughs> and oh, so yeah, yeah. it's just the whole, the magic hey, I make movies. So. I would like to talk to people who are in movies. And yeah, magic handshake, you're right. And it's, it's worked so far. You know? Oh, great. Yeah, because as you can imagine now for myself, uh, being in a completely different time zone, uh, we we just about made it work. But when someone's a bit busier and they're in the middle of L.A., it's very hard to convince them to stay up until 12 at night. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I uh, With that being said, I was wondering because, you know, we, you asked me what I had for breakfast earlier and I told you Monster Energy. That's my favorite drink in the world. Like I literally I, – I love the taste of it. I love everything about it and I've been drinking it for – uh, since I was 19, I'm about to be 33, and I, I drink a Monster every day. And this I'm episode not is dead not sponsored by, uh, by Monster. <laughs> it's not, but sometimes I feel that I am. <laughs> but with that being said, um, I thought I was going to have to drink a Monster to stay awake, you know, to do this. And I was like, oh, maybe if I just, you know, watch some really entertaining movies, I'll be okay. And, dude, I am wide awake. And I told my wife, she's like, are you tired? I'm like, no, I'm wide awake. She's like, okay, Katy Perry, calm down. I'm like, oh, man, here we go. Dude, I watched Sharknado 1 and 2 back-to-back, and I just had the best time. <laughs> oh, great. Well, you, you should uh, check out David Michael last episode with me, the producer and co-founder of Asylum. My own. Yeah, I definitely will. And uh, I saw that on there, and I, I – I haven't downloaded it yet, but I will because I'll need some good stuff for tomorrow. I um, I recently just talked to an asylum director. Oh, great. Or let's say former. You know, I don't want to call him an asylum director because people come and go and direct. You know, they do what they want. Uh, but I got to sit down with Lee Scott. Oh, great. Uh, Andy and I did, and I'm a big fan of Lee Scott's because he did um, a lot of movies that I was renting a blockbuster back in the early 2000s. And I'm just like, oh, dude, I've seen all of these things. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. When that episode comes out, you can hear me geek out over Lee Scott. Oh, great. Yeah, because I only recently listened. It's probably going to be old enough now when this episode drops. But your episode with uh, Tom McLaughlin, it was absolutely fascinating. I was a bit jealous. Yeah. <laughs> that it wasn't me talking such to him. A, such a nice guy. And, I mean, he, he tells amazing stories. And, and Tom and I still talk. Uh, we shoot emails back and forth, you know, a couple times a week and just keep in touch there. And,. He's got a lot of stuff on the pipeline that I'm excited for, and hopefully we can get him back on the show as well when, when he drops the big bombs that he does. But having him on there was truly a blessing because I love that movie. Sometimes they come back. Mm. I don't know. Did you ever see that one? It was in the 90s. I have not. I'm a child of the 90s, so I kind of missed a bit of a wave oh. there. Now. I'm probably a bit younger than yourself. <laughs> so I'm going to do the whole cough, nobody hurt. <laughs> it's free on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And... Uh, it's oh man hopefully the podcast made you want to watch it but i'll tell you it's uh it spawned off a couple of sequels and they don't really match up you can tell they're sequels but that first one man just has so much heart in, in that movie and it's sometimes it's tough you know with the uh, made for tv movies and i think this was before sci-fi channel was plucking them out yeah. like they do now 
uh, where it's like effects galore. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what TV station it was, but it you know some of the made for TV Stephen King movies aren't that great. I mean, it was kind of cool, of course, at least most of it. Um, but the, sometimes they come back. Just man, that like that could have went to theater, in my opinion. It was great. Yeah, so. yeah. I hate those kind of movies that just kind of you know fall by the wayside and that they have to become cult classics. That there needs to be a cult following yeah. you know it has to be this group uh doing some sort of uh blood orgy <laughs> to like resurrect it into the mainstream so speaking of you said cult classic and i thought this was a perfect time to do this on the air Ooh. i'm thinking about writing something that could be a cult classic but i would have to get some rights from stephen king as well so i'm not a big fan of children of the corn like the original, it, I respect it, and it's okay. It's not a bad movie. Oh, I think um, I know where this is going. <laughs> I think you might. You might. Uh, we have a common denominator here who's gonna love this. But man, we should. I should write a parody called, you know, like Children of the Corn Trees. <laughs> for, for anyone who doesn't uh, get that cross reference, 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 uh, we do know corn trees don't exist. That that's for Brian out there. <laughs> Brian thinks they exist, so that's good enough for me. Yeah, w- would you actually consider getting some rights for Stephen King and trying to adapt it? Because I think you can only buy his stuff for like a dollar. as Like he just hands out the rights to his Man, stuff. It's seeing as many Children of the Corn films as there was and then the attempted reboot, I mean, it's all garbage. And I hate to say that because I'm sure somebody out there likes it. But I, I really don't think anybody has truly done justice to it since the original. And with the technology today, and the, I mean, think about think about like the Evil Dead remake. Did you see that? I did, yeah. You know how like insanely, awesomely bloody it was? Like they could totally do something like that in a cornfield with Children of the Corn. It would be amazing. Yeah, but who would play the creepy Malachite? I haven't, I mean, do you act? <laughs> <laughs> that's why this isn't a a video podcast (laughs) but i'm just saying you know it can be done and somebody out there might hear this and run with it and that'd be awesome i just uh give us a a better children of the corn please (laughs) or or children of the corn trees and you can put the wayne's brothers in it i don't care (laughs) no i i think there's plenty room there for children of the corn to be done properly because it was kind of a cool concept but very like hammy acting and that yeah and like i said i mean you, anybody you take the basic concept of what it is and anybody can apply their vision to it and you can make something awesome out of it mm. even if it's i mean i know it was written as a short story i mean maybe don't make it a full feature film make it an amazing you know 15 minute in your face short that'd be awesome yeah yeah because i think um like i've seen a good few things now um that have either been full features that have been independent and shorts and there's plenty ones when someone sends me a feature film i'm a little bit hesitant because there's a very high probability it isn't going to be great but it would have been a very good short because you could have like fit in all the main plot points in about 15 20 minutes instead of an hour and a half so i suppose in a roundabout way i'm going to ask would you ever consider writing a feature film or would you think you'd stick with the shorts for now and try and hone your craft if the opportunity came i would definitely give it a shot uh, what i know the most of is writing shorts and write you know i can write stories like crazy and 
I have this technique. It's really weird. I don't know if any other writer does this. I'm sure somebody does, but um, some people will spend forever on one story, and if they get stuck, they'll just walk away, and they won't come back until they get the idea or how they can finish it. And so what I'll do is I'll write multiple stories at one time. If I get stuck, I'll go to a different character and different story. And then I'll sit there and be like, how can I blend all these into one story? And then I magically have this really long story. And that's my technique. So what happens is if I write a story about this character, a story about this character, and people can't see me, I'm pointing, but there's characters there. You know, I'll have these individual stories in front of me, and then I'll take the best aspects of all of it and just cram it together to one long story. So whether it's a character from the story, character from the story, a plot point, a twist, and mash it up, and it's almost like a, a Tarantino method, you know, where you get your beginning, middle, end, and you don't know which one's coming first. And that's how I can conjure up a really long story. So if I knew that somebody was like, hey, Dave, I would like to work with you, hand me a full-length script. And if I like it, I'll do it. Then I would I would get busy on a full-length script, yes. Great. So you mentioned the word conjuring there. Is the creative process, is that just everything appears from the ether? Or where do you draw <laughs> your influences from then? It's crazy, man. Um, sometimes the best influences just come from inside and isolating yourself. So... I don't, I don't think it works for a horror writer to necessarily, uh, depending on what you're writing about, but you know, you can't be surrounded by a whole bunch of people in the daylight, you know, at a happy party or something, you know, you need to put yourself in the, in the dark or in the quiet, in the secluded and let things come to you. Just like I read a story for, um, Kevin Williamson about how he wrote scream and you know, he was trying to, he needed to pay his bills mm -hmm. and he was getting down to the nitty gritty and you know, this could be false. This is what I read on trivia, but I had read that he had literally rented a cabin and spent the whole weekend there by himself. And in that weekend he wrote scream. And I'm like, that's how you do it. You know, you take out all distraction, you take everything all outside world away. You create everything yourself and see what you can come up with. You know, <laughs> well, you mentioned to me before we got started that uh, you have a house full of younglings and you have a wife. So how did you get the quiet time? Same way I have it with you right now. I just cut into my sleep, and that's probably why I'm addicted to all kinds of energy sources is I, I just don't sleep as much as I healthily should. Right. <laughs> but, hey, man, you know, when you are uh, when you work and then you're your dad and your husband and then you want me time, and most of your me time is either making your stories or watching films of someone else's stuff there, it, it it's worth it, though. The only time it's not, it's like you said, when you invest an hour and a half and then the movie sucks, you're like, oh, I should have went to bed. <laughs> <laughs> That's happened uh, way too often that I can't describe. <laughs> and and speaking of Conjuring, too, I'm a huge fan of everything that James Wan and Lee Wannell do together. I love that. Anything, all the Annabelles, the Conjurings, the Saul's, the Insidious, I just think it's all awesome. Yeah, well, Jesus, I don't know, will it be out by the time this airs, but... Uh, the Annabelle 2, is it? Or it's like Annabelle 2, the fucking, you know, uh, Annabelle creation. creation. <laughs> uh, well, actually, I saw it last week. Oh, so it is out, yeah. In, at least in the States. <laughs> oh, it is, yeah. No, I think it might be out, actually. Oh, I, I saw the trailer, though, a couple of weeks ago in the cinema, and it just looks like standard. Like, it just looks like Insidious or something. It, it doesn't look like it's doing anything it, new. Um, 
The best thing I can say, no spoiler, is just that I thought it was better than the other Annabelle movie. And this movie definitely prides itself on jump scares. I mean, there is tons of jump scares in it. So mm. it's definitely like a haunted house, like every moment's tense. But I did it right. I told my friends, like, we're going to go see this movie. And um, they're like, oh, you want to do this? I mean, no, no, no. We're going to buy tickets. We're going to get there two hours early. We're going to stand in line. And we're going to be the first ones in there. We're going to get the best seats in the house. And then we're going to sit there and watch it fill up. And then we did, it did just that. And then people behind me were screen talkers. You know, they love to talk out loud. And I loved it because then we started conversing back and forth over what you should do and shouldn't do. And jokes were flying. And it, for something like that, it's I know some people like to go to a theater and it's got to be quiet so they can enjoy it. And I think most times that's probably the case. But if you go to the right movie, having an interactive crowd just makes it better. Mm. Well, yeah, like I. Was it yourselves who were discussing the other day? I can't remember now. I'm listening to so many things. But they were saying that, you know, horrors used to be um, a spectacle. People used to go, used to be chatting. And that's kind of being lost now a little bit these days with cinema. Yeah. And I remember, you know, way back in the day, it used to be an event. You know, you go to the movies, you put on your Sunday best. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, and, um, yeah, if you've listened to some stuff I've been on, because I remember we talked earlier, I'm all over the place, right? I love podcasts. I love to talk to people. I mean, as long as you're talking about movies or something like that, I'll, I'll talk. <laughs> we'll go forever. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, with Netflix and, and all the other streaming devices, some people never leave the house anymore. But there's something special about going to the theater. And yeah, you're paying an arm and a leg now. You know, they, they get you on that. But it's an experience. Just like September 8th, it's coming out here. Dude, I'm there. Mm. Like, I'm there opening night. Let's go. You know, I don't do the midnight release because, like you said, ugh, right, that's tough. Yeah. Uh, I can podcast at midnight, but I'm not going to the theater at midnight, you know? Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. when I'm done with this, I get to go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, uh, yeah, that, you know, instead of the midnight on that Friday, I'll go see the big movies like that. So I'm excited for Insidious 4. I'm excited for Conjuring 3. I'm excited for Leatherface. Like, I love old movies, but I still geek out over these new ones just fine. Of course, yeah. Yeah, but you're saying there you're going to the cinema and you're watching it fill up. I went to the cinema last Friday after work and I went to see a ghost story uh, that was released there by A24 and uh, had Casey Affleck in it. And I didn't hear much about it and I went in like completely no expectations. And there was only about 10 people in the whole theater and my I went with a friend from work and he was scratching his head he didn't really like it another of the two of the 10 people walked out so it was like really love hate in the audience i loved it but i think it was a, a special sort of case there but people weren't really enjoying it and it wasn't an experience i think people were kind of why did i pay for this on a friday night and i was kind of scratching my head because i was really enjoying it and i think it was shot sort of in a four three aspect ratio as well and that was kind of pissing some people off but uh it was getting like 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, so I I don't know. Have you ever had that experience, people walking out? Not in a long time, actually. I, I can't remember the last time I saw a movie and somebody walked out because they didn't like it. Now, I can tell you, I remember last time I saw a movie where people screamed and ran out. And, uh, man, that was back when The Grudge came out. I remember yeah. a lady screamed her head off and she took off. I mean, it was it was great because you always hear stories about it and you never see it. And then when you see it, you're like, that was awesome. Yeah. 
But man, you just stumped me. You you said that movie was in four by three format. Uh, I think it was. Yeah, it was in like wow, pretty much a square. Wow, what a, a weird choice. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, it's yeah, that's what that is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I think I if I have my uh, nomenclature right, uh, it, I think it was four three, and it was kind of as if it was like an old Polaroid. It was like rounded cool. edges, so yeah, it, it was really cool. And I don't know, I, I don't know what people are expecting. I think they thought it was gonna be like a horror movie but it really wasn't because um oh my goodness it was yeah your your man casey affleck died and he ended up being a ghost but he's just that standard childhood ghost he's just a guy under a sheet with two eye holes cut out Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and you think it's going to be him just watching his uh you know grieving wife but that's only a really small part of the story i won't ruin any more for the audience if you want to look it up but it's a real thought-provoking piece might be a little bit slow for some people's taste but if you want to just kind of sit down and, and soak something up i think a24 are doing a great job these days because um they did the witch there recently in the lobster they're all kind of like very good movies really thought-provoking don't know have you seen those yeah i i am familiar with a24 they pop up on a lot of good horror movies but i i pulled up this movie you're talking about and i was looking at it and it's actually not even labeled as a horror movie it says uh drama fantasy romance <laughs> yeah no, that would so, be fairly accurate I think it's got people, a horror poster though it's so misleading yeah i think when people sit heard like a ghost story they're like oh yeah this is gonna be like really spooky but it's more he is a vehicle for what's happening around him if that makes sense so yeah he's not really impacting the story it's just things unfold with him there it's really cool well i heard somebody once say that uh you know the best direction you can have for a movie is a great screenplay so you know as long <laughs> as it's got a yeah as long as it's got a great story that's all you need yeah so we, we'll try and uh, bend this all back around you're saying you're you've gotten you know good feedback you're enjoying writing etc what has been the biggest criticism you've ever faced have you ever nearly been deterred or has the ego prevailed all the time obviously if you're talking to me but has there any at any point been people putting you down um well scars you know it has um both sides of the feedback some people really liked it some people thought it was just okay and, and i heard a couple people be like oh, that's kind of dumb and you're gonna get that i mean everybody's entitled to their own opinion and i i like the film i was happy with the way it turned out i mean like i said it the movie didn't turn out like a twilight zone episode like i had wrote it but the things that d had added in there did really well i think some of the best criticism i got was actually from brian because uh he had pulled me on his terrible terror podcast show and i didn't know what i was in for i mean i should have known it's called terrible terror podcast he watches <laughs> bad horror movies and he wants to interview me oh crap you know i didn't think this through and uh he let me have it for a little while but it was all in good fun <laughs> and uh i think that was some of the best things like you know the, it didn't get a gazillion watches on youtube that that would have been awesome but um you know hey it's it, it's something that i wrote somebody made it put it out it got like 600 700 views something like that and that's cool i never had anything like that before so for me it's all a learning experience and i'm just happy to be a part of something like that so it, like you said it got the wheels turning and now i've pumped out three or four of them that i'm kind of sitting on seeing who wants to you know, eat off the plate. <laughs> Excellent. So what is the bigger picture? Is that plate going to turn into a buffet? What do you plan for yourself? 
I don't know. It's kind of one of those things where you take it a day at a time. And uh, I've talked to a few other people about possibly writing some stories together, kind of like a, um, how do you say, maybe like our own version of a creep show where each one of us does a different segment and then we put it together. Um, If I was playing the dream sequence, I would love to work with Rob Zombie. That'd probably be my my ultimate goal in the end. (laughs) But yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes from here. Excellent stuff. Well, Dave, I know you're probably eager to get to bed and I need to get ready for work. So we can start wrapping this up. Do you have any little closing statements or remarks you'd like to get in there? Uh, yeah, one thing that uh, I had said before was, you know, for anybody that aspires to be a writer, you know, a year ago, I was just a guy who was doodling in a notepad. So if you're that guy or gal, um, don't let your notebooks just sit there and waste away because that's exactly what they're going to do. You know, you got to put your stuff out there. You can't be afraid if it gets stolen because, you know, if somebody takes your idea, write another one. Um, but you don't know until you try. And then also, I would like to also say, if you've enjoyed this podcast and hearing me run my mouth about random things, um, come check us out over at the Black Hat Shadow Podcast. We got Andy and Dakota and myself on there, and we do a lot of cool, great stuff. And it probably won't be too long before uh, Richard finds himself over there, too. (laughs) Yeah, I'll uh, hold you to that, so we'll have to have a, a nice foursome over at uh, the black cat shadow i hope that shadow is cast long and wide so we can all fit up behind it yeah but it'll probably be casting over you at midnight next time <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't put it past you so dave where can we find yourself online then it, besides the black cat shadow where can we find your personal musings yeah, um, come talk to me on Twitter. I love starting conversations, anything movie-based. I'm also a nerd when it comes to comic books and cartoons, so any of that stuff's welcome. But uh, it's Phantom Theories, or at Phantom Dark Dave is my uh, Twitter handle. Um, you'll find me on there. And also link my YouTube channel that I do with my wife sometimes called Phantom Eyes. So a lot of cool stuff going on there. Excellent stuff. But Dave... Thank you very much for coming on and staying up so late so we can have a little chat. Uh, I think it's quite insightful and I really enjoyed talking to you. So thank you very much. Yeah, likewise. Same here, man. I thought it was a lot of fun and we'll, we'll get together more often. I'm sure. I'm sure we'll be staying in touch, no doubt. Thanks again and have a good night's sleep for yourself. All right. You have a good day at work, sir. <laughs> And that was my chat with Dave. I hope you enjoyed. As always, if you've made it this far, you can catch everything down in the show notes for Dave and what he's up to. And for me, as always, I am on Twitter. Continue the conversation at The Fear Merchant. And for everything else, thefearmerchant.com. If you want to send any comments or suggestions, please email me at thefearmerchant at gmail.com. Next episode now will be with Scott Lias. He's been mentioned here before on the show multiple times, but we finally got him on, and that will be episode 23. So until next time, be good, be safe, and keep it easy. Come back any time.